opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello and welcome to ACB Home, Garden, and Agriculture. This should be a really great hour. We have Nella here who is going to talk with us about goats. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We have Hayal who is here um, taking care of the all of the technicalities with Zoom. And we have Daryl here who is streaming for us. So thank you to both of you. Um, the way this will work is um, I'll ask I'll, I'll do a short interview with Nella, and if we have callers, you're welcome to call in, and um, we'd love to hear your questions, your comments, maybe your experiences, either current or in the past with goats, and uh, very much looking forward to uh, learning and sharing with everyone today. So, uh, Nella, thank you so much for joining this call today. Um, I guess I would like to start with asking you, uh, what is your background in goats and what got you started with goats? So um, I've owned dairy goats for, gosh, like 15 years. So my first, the first goats I ever got, I got them, I owned a horse that I boarded. And then I rented a small horse property where I could have my horse. And the people at the barn are like, your horse really can't live alone. They're herd animals. They need friends. And I'm thinking, I don't want another horse. And the, the people suggested goats. And where I boarded, they had a couple pygmy goats that my horse liked. So I went to this, um, it was actually a farm animal rescue. And, you know, with the intention of getting one goat, I left with two goats because I'm a sucker. And they convinced me that I would need to have two goats, you know, so when I had the horse out and the goats, you know, I wouldn't have one goat there by itself. And those were my very first two goats. I had a really old mother goat and her offspring. And um, they had come from a dairy and I had to agree not to breed her and he had been castrated so he couldn't reproduce and, and they were just really fun pets. They, I just had a lot of fun with them and then I got just kind of addicted to getting that. To getting more goats. Well, first of all, I had some health issues and I, I wouldn't, I was trying to very, very healthy and very clean and I wanted to use goat milk. So I started looking to buy a dairy goat and I bought a goat that was, they had weaned the baby and it was, you know, in milk. So um, I started milking it and that was kind of the beginning to a whole herd of goats. So where are you now? How many goats do you have now? I am living in Phoenix, Arizona and South Phoenix on a small horse property and I have a goats and I really don't need that many, but I've gotten, I have my old girls that I'm attached to. And then I have a couple, you know, some young ones that are really pretty and that I've made pets out of. So that's how many I have now. My two original you- goats that I got to be companions, they have both passed on from old age. I still have the original one that I got in milk. She, I call her my queen goat. She's in charge out there. And um, she's the my first, you know, dairy goat that I milked. I do still have her. So of the eight, how, is she the only one you're milking, or do you have? Actually, I'm more? not milking her. I am milking okay. um, two, and they are actually not related to her. I after I got her, um, I got I got a real. She was a Nubian, and I got another really nice little Nubian, and I later bred her and. All of my goats are pretty much, um, and I, I don't have her anymore, unfortunately. she um, I had to have her put down a couple of years ago for a lot of health-related stuff. But I have like her daughters and granddaughters and, great, and a great-granddaughter. So they're all um, 
all related except for that one goat who always has male babies. So I have never kept one of her offspring because she always <laughs> has male babies. I wanted one of her offspring because she's a nice little milker, my original one. Now she's getting old enough. I don't know if I should try to breed her again. So you have a whole goat herd there. And um, some of them are for milking and then some of them are pets. Yeah, I just, I don't, if I had more room, I would breed more, but I just don't have the room or really the time because I, I work um, as well. So um, I just, you know, I get attached to them. So I do have, and they're, they're all Nubians. I have all Nubians. And for those of you that don't know, Nubians have long ears, kind of like a hound dog. They have kind of a Roman nose, long ears, and they can come in a lot of colors and spots or people who breed really into, um, you know, breeding for show, what like colors and spots. And I have some really nice spotted um, Nubians with a lot of color. So um, we do want to clarify to people you are blind and you um, do manage your herd on your own. Is that correct? Yes, there are a few things um, I will ask uh, for help. I do get help trimming hooves. You do have to trim their hooves. And um, the woman who trims my goat hood or the horse helps me with that. So um, I will hold them and she trims. And I have also gotten help with vaccinations. I have, I know how to do it, but it's you know, measuring it out and stuff kind of makes me nervous. So I have, ha- I usually will get help if I'm vaccinating, but you know, the milking, the daily care, I'm doing all of that on my own. And can you tell us some of the challenges and maybe some of the rewards of, of keeping goats? So some of the challenges I would say, the first thing, and this is for any goat person, is have a good fence. Um, goats are kind of escape artists. They can jump, they can climb, they can slither under. There's an old farm saying that if your fence is good enough to hold water, it's good enough to hold goats. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you do need good fencing. Um, and then shelter, you just, you know, out of the wind, dry and out of the wind. I, I live in Arizona, which in Phoenix, sorry, which is very hot. So my goats need a shade. You know, we don't, in fact, their shelter just has a wall on the west side and then a, you know, a roof part um, to keep the sun off of them. So, and then of course they need hay, fresh water. And if you're, if they're pregnant or if you're milking, they do need some type of goat ration that, and, and I buy one that's formulated for dairy goats. Um, so I can tell all of mine by the way they feel, uh, they all have different hair. I also leave the horns on mine. A lot of people recommend dehorning because they can hurt each other. They could possibly hurt you. They can also get stuck in fences and that type of thing with their horns. I like having horns because all their horns are slightly different. I can tell them apart. I also call the horns their handles. That's how I walk them from one place to another is I get them by the horn and walk them to where I want them to go. So do you have another question? Yeah. So you, you were talking about some of the management. Um, have you had your goats escape on you? I have. <laughs> so. Yes, I I had them escape, and fortunately, I had at the time there was stuff in the garden, so they went straight to my garden. Which oh my gosh, fortunate enough. Did you have anything left? <laughs> Not a lot, <laughs> but anyway, they weren't real motivated to move, and then I got grain, and I I got them all in. The other thing is, I call my old goat. Her name is Carmel. All of my goats have candy names. Um, Carmel is the queen goat, and if they're very herd bound, they look, you know, very attached to each other. They're very social. So if I get caramel going, the rest of them follow along. So if I can catch the queen and get her where I want her to go, usually all the other gays will, you know, come along as well. So yeah, I have had them and I've had like one escape and then it just stands outside and cries because it doesn't want to leave the herd. Ah, so th- when you're thinking about your goats, um, what are some things that besides food, because I know that you, you milk and you, um, 
make cheese and make a lot of different products with with the milk. Um, are are there any other things that are rewarding about having goats? I I mean I just like they all have a lot of personality that I mean they have. In some ways, they're like cats. They're affectionate, but they're also kind of about doing what they want to do. But most of the time, they're pretty peaceful. I like sometimes on the weekends, on the weather's nice, I'll just go sit out um, in their area and drink hot tea and just enjoy the morning. And and they will all come up, you know, eventually and nudge me. Or sometimes they have a couple that will come and lean against me. Or they like... Um, you know, they'll kind of nibble at your clothes or your hair. So they're very affectionate if you handle them a lot. And so there's that. People keep them. Um, like I said, I gardened our, for, you know, I can use their manure for fertilizer. It's a really good fertilizer. And I have given it to friends who garden. And so, and you know, I do share goat cheese and milk and I make goat milk soap. And I like sharing those things with people. I've also sold some of those things in the past. So it just, you know, I, I like being outside. So it's, you know, it's a way that I'm outside twice a day, checking on the, you know, making sure they have water, feeding, milking, taking care of them. Are they expensive to keep? Um, some of them will depend on the part of the world you live in. So where I live, I live in the desert, you know, I have to feed them everything. So I'm buying all the hay, all the goat ration. I also buy them a, a Timothy grass pellet. Uh, you know, if you have acreage, you live somewhere where they can do more browsing. Um, goats are more browsers than grazers. They will graze, but they are more a browser like a deer. They like leaves and twigs and that type of thing, but they do graze as well. So if, you know, if they can forage part of their food, of course, that's going to cost you less. If you're keeping, you know, a couple pygmies in your backyard for pets and you you don't have to feed them as good a quality feed as, as if you're milking or that, um, that if you're raising them for meat, of course, you want to feed different things. So it really depends on where you live. Also, we don't, I probably pay more for hay here because I do live in the desert than someone who lives more in a farming community. And is it difficult getting hay delivered or is that pretty easy? It's fairly easy. There's hay dealers around. There's still enough people in the area with livestock, and there's a lot of horse stuff going on here. So even though it is a huge city, a huge metro area, um, I can still get it. But I just noticed the price has really gone up since I first got horses and goats. So, and you know, we we um, probably have some people like I am who will hear this who are really thinking about getting goats what advice do you have for people who are thinking about starting into this of course do your research talk to people read um the most areas where there's a a, what do you call it a a county extension office they often have classes on goat keeping 4-h is a really good resource it's also a good place to go see goats and see different breeds what they look like it can be a good resource to buy goats from the 4-h people so that's a really good resource um like i said there's a lot of books there's a lot of stuff on youtube there's some like goat keeping um discussion forums online where you can post questions and people answer there's i've seen good videos on youtube I believe there's even a couple of a few universities around the nation that have, um, you know, in their department about in their schools of agriculture have some free online classes that you can do. And I've done classes with county extension before. So that would be my advice. Do your homework. And then if you do decide to get goats, have everything in place, you know, have your fencing in place, your shelter have all of that ready before you you bring the animal home. So you don't want to just come tie up a goat in your backyard and then try <laughs> exactly. to build everything. Yeah, I think okay. it's much better if you have, yeah, I kind of I did it a little wrong. I got the two goats and this is how I learned about fencing because I thought my fence was good, but I didn't realize the gate, you know, had, it was like a pipe gate and immediately the smaller goat slithered right on out and, so um, a friend helped me cover it with wire, but you know, the 
And then, you know, just talking to people, I have found people who raise goats, you know, for 4-H or show or have small dairies are incredibly friendly people that like to share their information. Well, um, I'm just going to ask one more question and then we'll check in and see if anybody has the hand raised to add to the conversation. Um, could you tell me if you have uh, any facts that you would like to, or, or tips, any additional facts or tips you would like to add? Well, I think we are, I think our whole life we've heard goats will eat anything, you know, 10 cans. You know, that is truly a myth. Um, goats do put their mouths on everything it's, and, and they will play with things like puppies um, when they're, especially when they're younger, but even when they're older, they like to play with things, but they put their mouths on things for information. It's, you know, like you're checking it out. What does it taste like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? And they could, if you see a, one with the tin can, it could be like getting a paper wrapper off because they do like paper, but that's probably one of the biggest myths. They are actually kind of picky about food. There are some things they will eat and a lot of things they won't eat. So um, so that's a big myth. Um, like I said, they are very social. So you really can't just have one goat. You could say have a goat and a sheep or maybe a goat and a horse or a goat and a cow. But they really are, are very social animals and they like interaction with other animals. And let's see what else. They, um, they can be... You know, you can pay a small amount or, you know, a large amount if you're looking at registered goats and that type of thing. So they're kind of the prices all over. And some of that would depend, you know, if you're getting a backyard pet or um, if you're getting one to clean up brush. So some of the reasons people keep goats are for milk, of course, for meat. Um, in most of the world, um, goat meat is eaten, not so much here, but in certain cultures, it's eaten more than beef even. So, and they're also kept for fiber. There are breeds of goats that have fiber that you have to shear. And some people keep them for pets and they're really, other people keep them um, because they keep brush and undergrowth down. So you might see on ranches, they will have a herd of cattle, but they'll have a few goats. And the goats are, will go along and say, keep your fence lines clean. Or even I've heard of states where they're using goats to say, go along the highways. They, they have um, portable fencing and they are taking these goats down the highways and they're cleaning up a lot of the undergrowth or brush. And, and um, here in Arizona, they have used them in some of the national forest, um, taking huge herds of goats through. They're, they're getting them from the um Native American reservations, and they're taking them into the national forest and to, to eat down the undergrowth to help reduce um, forest fires. So there's a lot of different reasons people keep goats. Yeah, we have a, a place here. It's kind of a rent-a-goat place, and they rent huge herds of goats to eat in the foothills. They they chew down the grasses and, and yes. flammable foliage and it, it's really a good way to help prevent significant fires it's 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 a great service plus good weed control too it is well, and here in Arizona it was kind of a win-win because on like the the Navajo and Hopi reservations they tend to overgraze the land some so you know they really have too much livestock so not only did it help the national forest it helped the animals and the tribes to get those animals off and into the national forest where there was more for them to browse yeah I was I was looking into renting a goat from my backyard because uh, my old chickens who used to do a good job of weeding back there have kind of gotten lazy. And this year got a little more overgrown than I would have liked. And I thought, well, I'll just rent some goats. And I could not find a goat to rent because they were booked out for over a year. They were wow. very popular. Yeah. And, well, maybe I need to pick these girls to work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a new small business idea. Yeah. I don't know that I want the liability, though, if they escape. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. So, Halil, do we have any um, any hands raised? If yes. Anyone wants coming, to join? Amazing. Somebody's hand just raised. Um, Yay. Great. Um, Nellie? 
Hi, um, I'm Nellie from Santa Maria, California. And uh, hi, Nellie. Yeah, I'm so glad to to see this um, subject on on a session. This is great. Um, I wondered if um, you have any problems with predators like coyotes or bobcats, and if so, what what steps can be taken to protect the goats? Um, or I live, I don't. We do have coyotes here, but I've never um, had an issue. Now, if I were further out on a bigger piece of property, it might um, be a problem. I did uh, live in Arkansas for a while with the goats, and I had more, you know, I had quite a bit of acreage there. And they, my horse lived with them, and he was very um, protective. You know, he doesn't like dogs coming in or whatever. So I never really worried a lot about them. Um, when I had kids, young kids, I would bring them in at night into their um, barn, into their stall. Oh, okay. So that that is one thing. But that probably, honestly, from talking to people over the years with goats and sheep, the biggest problem is domestic dogs. Yes. So. Years ago, um, I had a um, pygmy goat, and she was in with um, horses and a and a rabbit, a pet rabbit that was allowed free range. And um, a, a pack of uh, wild domestic dogs came and injured her. Uh, fortunately, she, she survived, but uh, they got right, they, the dogs got right through my fences and everything and came in and, and attacked uh, the goat. So that was a very yeah, the, frightening experience. Yeah, the dogs and coyotes are, are amazingly uh, agile when they want to get some food. I, they can get over fences that you would think they shouldn't be able to get over. And, yeah, and they can be quite an issue. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and of course the, the horses I had, I had three horses and they, they stood around her, but they, you know, they didn't, you know, stop the dogs, but uh, she did survive. Oh, good. Yeah. Dogs are the biggest, you know, I, I've talked to people, you know, over the years from different parts of the country. And I've talked to very few people who have had um, goats or sheep harmed by wildlife. It's almost always dogs. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When I was, when I was a kid, we had a billy goat that my dad got from the auction and tied up in the yard and a neighbor dog did kill him. So it, yeah, it, the dogs, uh, can be, you know, loose dogs can be quite a problem. Yeah. And this was just a, a pet. This was the neighbor's pet dog. Mm. Had plenty to eat, but decided to kill our goat for entertainment. Mm. But mm. that, that is a really good point. I've been, I'm, I'm a follower of Weed Them and Reap. It's, um, it follows a family down in the Phoenix area. And lately they've been dealing with a coyote. They've been seeing on their, um, their cameras and the goats, the one of their goats seems to be pretty good about scaring off the coyote, but um, they got some uh, geese to alert them when the, when the uh, coyote is present and it so far seems to be working. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting to get guardian geese. <laughs> but do you have uh, animals now, Nellie? Yes, um, we have a horse and a mule. Oh, my goodness. Mules are awesome. And mules do protect against um, um, coyotes or other, um, you know, invaders. <laughs> mm -hmm. And donkeys as well. So if you raise donkeys with um, livestock... They can be very good guardians. Yeah. So, do you do you pack with your mule or do any uh, do we, any we kind of work with you? We haven't yet. Um, we got him uh, not too long ago, and he's fully trained and he can pack and he can be ridden. And he's he's very gentle. He's eight years old and a big boy, solid black, sixteen hands high. And that's uh, a big mule. Yeah. yeah. He's, He's uh he's very substantial. We call him Harley. <laughs> oh, that's great. So we're looking forward to being able to do some things like that uh, with him and with um, with our horse. Yes. 
Well, I really appreciate seven. your your call and your oh, question. We have about seven acres, so we've, we've got plenty of room. Yeah. Well, um, you'll have to keep us posted on how the um, mule and horse activities go this summer. Yes, I surely will. Thank you. Are you planning on adding to your livestock? No, right now, um, right now we're okay. But we had kind of thought about goats, and uh, so, and and that's a very important point about about the fencing. Um, so, but you know, we're, it's still in the in the thinking stages. Mm-hmm. You can do electrical fencing, you know, if you have existing fence that they could get through, you can also um, go with electrical fencing. Mm-hmm. And the times in my life that I've used electrical sh- fencing, I always get end up getting shocked a few times. So just be prepared. <laughs> well, um, I've used electrical fencing in the past. I used to live in, in, in Morgan Hill, California, and I had a, a kind of a temporary horse pen made out of electrical um, with electrical. But the problem uh, here is that occasionally we get some winds and um, that sometimes shorts out the electrical. So I wouldn't want to try that method. Yeah, they could learn not to uh, worry about it if that happened too much. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Nellie. And, sure. and please keep Keep listening and keep calling in. I will. Thank you. You are at and about half the half hour point, and there are no hands raised. Okay. So, um, Nella, I did want to ask you a little bit more about what you make with your goat milk. Could you tell us a little more about what you make and how you do it? Sure. Um, well, of course, I, I milk and just, you know, drink the milk or cook with the milk. I do make cheeses, yogurt, and then I've made um, goat milk soap. So um, milking, you know, you, you milk, I milk my goats by hand. I have used uh, milking machines. Honestly, the cleaning involved in the milking machine, I think, takes up so much time that I don't know that it's really efficient unless you have a huge herd of goats that you're milking. So I milk them by hand. I immediately bring the milk in and I strain it through. You can buy filters. You can use um, like butter muslin. You know, there's different ways you can filter like anything like, you know, maybe a goat hair, a little piece of straw, whatever. And then you can pasteurize it if you want. You can buy pasteurizing machines that, you know, you you put the milk in and it gets it to the right temperature. You can pasteurize it on the stove. When I first started using the milk, milking the goats and using the milk, I did pasteurize it on the stove. And then I don't remember one time I wanted to, I strained the milk I had the milk I hadn't pasteurized it yet I needed milk and I'm like oh so I just decided to use it and I realized to me it tasted so much better without pasteurizing it that I just stopped pasteurizing but you know that's a personal choice I'm not worried about um, getting sick from the unpasteurized milk so if you make cheese it usually involves heating it to a certain temperature adding cultures you know then getting it um letting it cool, that type of thing. I do all soft cheeses. I've tried hard cheeses, which requires aging, and I just don't have a good place or way to age it. You need a, I can't remember what the temperature is, maybe 55 degrees. I can't remember, but you have to, you know, keep it at this consistent temperature for, you know, weeks or months at a time. And I don't have a place to do that. So I do like chevres, creme fraiches, um, fromage blancs. So it's all soft cheese. And then... So just to interrupt you there, um, when you make, were learning to make cheese, how did you learn to do that? Um, I read, I really just read things. I, I looked online. I um, found a couple of books. I found stuff on YouTube. And... Then I ordered a cheese making kit and it, it came with the supplies and 
And the soft cheeses are really easy. I just get them out to 86 degrees. I put the packet of, of um, culture in, stir it in. And then I just let it sit there for about 12 hours and the curds form. And then I, I line a colander with butter muslin. And I pour the um, the cheese into that. And, it, you know, then all the whey comes out. And then you have your curds. And if you have chickens, well, drink the whey. Of course, if you have pigs. I, I A friend of mine is kind of a, a little off topic, but a friend of mine got a cow. And um, years ago, she, she got two cows and she was making all this cheese. And then she ended up buying pigs to give all the leftover milk and whey to. <laughs> so the, the cows turned into <laughs> Like the old lady who ate the spider, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... So, but the chickens, like the way you can, you know, you can cook with the way when something, sometimes I just pour it on my plants out in, you know, out in the garden. I just pour it straight on the plants. Um, and then you let it, like once it's in there, I pour, I, I bring the cheesecloth up, the, the butter muslin up, you know, and tie it into a bag and I hang it over the sink and just let it drip in until I get, you know, this, the consistency I want. And then I just put it in a bowl and you can add some cheese salt or sometimes I add, oh, there's some herb mixes. You can also add fresh things. Uh, you know, you could put in fresh herbs or dried herbs that, um, you know, mix it in and then you can serve it. And it's, it's a soft cheese, probably like the consistency of a cream cheese. And, and this is something people can do with milk they buy from the store. Is that correct? If they don't have a goat? Yeah, some some cheeses, uh, if your milk is pasteurized at too high of a temperature, I think it won't work. I, I read that somewhere. I, I think it was I was reading about mozzarella. I, I, I have made mozzarella with goat cheese or with goat milk and cow milk. Um, I think if your, if your milk is pasteurized at a really high temperature, um, you may not be able to make mozzarella with it. It just won't. I think it just will never You'll never get the curds. It'll never set. That's what so happens. the raw milk is probably a better choice. Yeah. If available. Or, I, mean, I, mm -hmm. I know people that have bought, you know, gallon, gallons of cow milk and made mozzarella before. So, I mean, you can, but I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't bought milk in years. But I think if you read on them, there's like a high pasture, a high temperature pasteurization and maybe a lower temper pasteurization. And I think you want to look for, I would look for the one that's been done at a lower temperature. And you talked about making soap. How do you yes. do that? So soap is a big process. I actually did a presentation for the craft group about that. Um, it's, it's one of those things that people do a lot of research, read a lot. If you know a soap maker, make it with them first because you do have to handle um, active lye. And so just, you know, really know what you're doing. Um, but okay, so it requires it, it's not just go online, find a recipe, and throw it together. No, you're going to need some equipment. And then the biggest thing I think what makes most people nervous is true soap. If, if you're making it with, you're going to be handling active lye. So I wear um, long sleeves when I do it, I wear like, like um, medical gloves and I wear safety glasses. And I open the window of my kitchen because you get some weird, crazy fumes when you're making it. And I just, I make sure to have everything in its place and um, no dogs in the kitchen. I mean, it's, so I have all these smells of it. I mean, it's, I've never had, oh, I've splattered like a couple of drops on me before and got, you know, like a couple of tiny blisters, but nothing major. Um, but you need quite a bit of equipment. There is, if people are interested in making soap, there's a good book on bard called um handcrafted soap again a lot of stuff on youtube other books also i do want to mention on bard there's a really good book called barnyard in your backyard and it does have a really good chapter on goat keeping which i read that early on and i believe there's a couple more books on bard about goat keeping I found the barnyard in your backyard to be the best. Yeah, I think one. I read that barnyard in your backyard, and it was it was a good book. It talked yes. about keeping a number of different barn animals. There's yeah, a chapter on chickens. Actually, I just looked at it earlier this you know this week because I kind of read over parts of the chapter to 
you know, make sure I included everything. Um, there's a chapter on chickens, one on ducks and geese, goat, sheep, rabbits, and cattle. So it's, it's a nice book. She did a lot of good research. Well, and you had mentioned the county extension agencies, too, that, that often comes up on our calls. I think that is a tremendous resource in so many different ways and really encourage people to look at at that as a resource because it's, the, the yeah. information is geared for your particular area, too. Yes, and I did want to mention, and I won't go into a lot of detail because we could like be, be here for days on this, but if you live in the southeastern states, um, parasites in goats are a big issue. Um, when I lived in Arkansas, I went to some presentations by, I mean, these were all day things with county extension and pretty much the whole focus was parasite management um, just because it's warmer, more humid. Um, the parasites um, in the goats and sheep, but more so in goats are a problem and the, and the parasites have actually built up a resistance to the dewormers that are on the market today. So they're uh, there's a lot of information about parasite management, internal parasite management. If you are keeping goats in the southeastern part of the nation, I would really recommend you do your homework, talk to County Extension, because that will be your biggest battle in keeping your goats healthy. And don't goats have special nutritional needs too? Different areas of the country, they need different supplements. Um, yeah, so you can, you know, of course, you know, good hay, you want to get quality hay, you don't want it to be too stimmy. Um, you'll see sometimes hay that says it's cow um, quality. It's probably, especially if you have a dairy herd that's not, or dairy goats, that's not going to be good enough. I do keep um, a salt block and a mineral block out for my goats at all times. And for whatever reason, they like baking soda. It, it, their goats are ruminants, meaning you know they have more like a cow. What we say they have four stomachs. I don't think that's technically true, but um, so they, they do have a cud. You will see them too. Like they kind of like burp up this cud, and they and they chew on it. And you know, cattle do that. You'll see them doing that. So they can have um, the if you keep baking soda out for them. They lick it, they'll eat it, and it actually, it helps keep, you know, the um, everything in balance in, in the ruminant. So and then goats need copper. And this is an issue if you have goats and sheep together. Goats need a much higher amount of copper than sheep. If sheep get too much copper, you can kill them. So um, having goats and sheep to get, I mean, they, they live, they get along well, but that can be an issue. You have to be careful with you know, what you feed um, your goat may not be appropriate for the sheep because of the copper levels. So there, there are a few things. Fresh water, goats are very picky about water. Um, they don't, if it gets very dirty, or, or they, they also really don't like real cold water. They like it to be mm. what I think of as tepid. Even when it's really hot here, they prefer tepid water. And when I lived in a colder climate, my goats were so spoiled, I would carry hot water out to them and add, you know, to their water. <laughs> so that their water was more tepid. So that that's the big thing. Um, and goat, my goats, and I do call my girls the divas. But they do not like to get wet. If it starts raining, you know, I live in the desert. It doesn't rain very often. But, I mean, they run to their shelter. And when we lived in a wetter climate, they would run to their shelter. And when, and when I lived in Arkansas, we had this big, like, Y-shaped drainage system across our pasture. So when it rained, we'd have, you know, like, this ditch of running water. And these goats... But if they couldn't jump it, they would walk all the way around so they did not have to walk through that water. So they, they're, they're, they're the little they, they have Yes, they have their, their likes and dislikes don't, and let you know it. They so, do, Halil, yeah. Do, Halil, do we have any uh, hands raised? We do not. Okay. Feel free to interrupt us if somebody raises their hand. No if anyone problem. wants to ask questions, it's, um, 
Could you, Halil, could you tell them how to raise their hand? Sure. Um, to raise your hand on the PC, it is Alt-Y. To raise your hand on the telephone, it is star nine. To raise your hand on a smartphone, it is um, the lower left-hand corner. Um, yeah, and that'll that's a toggle if you also want to lower it. Thank you. So, Nella, when you think about having goats, you've had goats a lot of years. Do you have any funny stories you want to tell us about your goats? Oh, let's see. I've had two goats get stuck in a fence. One, she somehow, like, got up and she got her neck between the gate post, like, you know, the gate and the gate post, or the, 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 the post that the gate was hanging on. It was like, and, and so then it's like, I'm trying to pick her up and, like, slide her up. And, of course, she will not cooperate. But I finally got her out. And then let's see, I had another one pissed her head and it, it was at the gate again. But like the wire were attached to the gate. She got her head between the wire and the frame of the gate. And I was thinking I was just going to have to cut the wire to get her out. Because again, she just kept trying to go straight forward. I'm trying to get her to back <laughs> up and to turn her head because she had horns. And, and these are not little goats either, no, right? These, They're Nubians. These were babies. These were adults. <laughs> and finally, I, I called a friend. He came, and between the two of us, we got her out. He's like, "What would you have done if I could, had come?" And like, I was just gonna get the wire cutters and cut her head out. You know, just cut the wire away from her. So um, that's probably two of the more funny ones. Um, oh, I had another one get stuck in a fence again. And it's always on a gate. I was like, I lived, so I lived in Arkansas. I had a, a gate that went into the neighbor's field and he had no livestock over there at the time. And it, there's all this nice, you know, overgrowth. So I guess she was thinking she'd like to get through and she got stuck. And, and then the funny thing was all the other goats were screaming and they're all hanging out. And then my horse was running back and forth. He, he kept coming up to the close the, the fence you know it was closest to the house and giving a big whinny and then he would run back and so I finally went out to see what's <laughs> going on and as I go out the horse is like trying along with me like come on you gotta see what's going on <laughs> so <laughs> I get over there that I cannot get her out and I did call a neighbor who came out and he got her out um, I think we did we did have to cut some wire and like refix the fence and um but and she was fairly did they, small. They only but, did it once, I hope. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. So I and I would always figure out these places, you know, that okay, I, I've got to put a different type of um, wire. I realized the wire I had, you know, the squares were too big, so we took it off, and then I used the two by four inch no climb horse fence to cover the um, the gate, which was you know like welded pipes. So, so those are probably some of the funnier stories. Oh, I said, you know, I have the horse and he's very, he's very good with the goats. And one morning I went out and he was laying in the sun and one of the young goats was just standing on his back and they're all just oh like, <laughs> so oh, they, that had to be cute. That was very cute. I mean, they were, when they, I was always a little afraid, um, you know, when I would first let the babies out in the big area, because I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I was afraid he might step on them, but he never did. And they would run under him and go around, you know, run all over the place. And, and um, I had some babies and I, you know, kept them and they had a, a stall and a little turnout area. And it had been cold and they had been in their stall. When I, the first time I opened the door to let them into their turnout, he was, you know, in the pasture outside the turnout, but the horse was, and he was hanging over. And it was so cute. The little goats came to the door and they saw him and they're like, ah, and they just all turned and ran back because they had never <laughs> seen him before. They had always been inside. But goats are very curious. They, like I said, they're very much like cats. So they, um, things startle them, but they do, they're curious and they will check things out. So they often get themselves into trouble because they, they get curious. And they can be, 
when they're young, it's important that you handle them because if you know if you don't, they will be skittish and they can be harder to handle as adults if you don't handle them when they're young. So, do you have any um, techniques that you use as a, a blind goat keeper? Do you have any techniques that you might use that sighted goat keepers wouldn't use? Well, I won't have one that I can't handle. So that is one of the reasons, you know, I, I do handle mine a lot because I have to be able to handle them to know what's going on with their health with them. And so all, you know, all of mine I can handle. Um, and like I said, I do tell them apart by either the way their hair feels or their horns, or their size, maybe. And even they all have different sounds. People laugh at me, but I do, you know, most of them I can tell them apart by the way they sound. And Nubians, I have, as I said, I have Nubians. Nubians are supposedly the most vocal of the goat breeds and they can be kind of loud. Um, and then again, I think having a good setup, you know, good pens, good fencing, good plate, um, I think that can make a good, you know, a big difference on how easy it is to manage them as a person without sight. And I have put, bells on some of them before I have also put different collars if you put collars on them you want it I usually use these little plastic chains because it's they're strong enough that I can walk the goat around with it if I want to but it's also they can break it say if they get caught on the fence or something so um I have used that with tags to tell them apart um just like having their feeders and stuff in certain areas, um, I think you know, are things I use and uh, to, to you know to, just to make it life easier. Mm-hmm. And how about um, when you're milking? Do you have a way of detecting mastitis if if that's starting to develop? So I have have never had mastitis with the goats, but they will, you know, I feel, I understand that their udders and bag will feel hotter and it's often mm-hmm. painful. So they're very fussy. It, mm-hmm. it, my understanding is, and then I've heard that the milk will, I think it looks more yellowy. It's thicker. So my guess is if you suspected, if you milked some in and then felt of it, that it would feel different. It might have a different smell. I don't know because I haven't, I've been lucky and I haven't had issues with mastitis. Um, I it sounds do, like you do really good preventative goat care and just in general. I try. And I mean, I do. I said I get their hooves trimmed. Um, I deworm occasionally. When I live in Arkansas, paras- internal parasites were the, the biggest issue I had. And I didn't realize when I bought my acreage there that it was really like a horrible place because it, it held a lot of water. I, you know, I had put in these drainage ditches and stuff to try to help, but it was a pretty wet environment, which is not good. So if I ever buy acreage again, I'm definitely going to look for something more rocky, but, you know, more sloped, um, you know, goats tend to come from more arid climates, you know, the mountains, most of our breeds come from the Switzerland area or hotter areas like Africa, the Nubians, the Nigerians, the boar goats, which are a big meat goat. Um, we have what we call the Spanish goats, which came from Spain. They're really just kind of mongrels now, but, you know, they're down in the border country. And, and so they, they do better in more arid climates. Deborah, just under and, 10 minutes, about seven minutes left to go. Okay, and um, we will start wrapping up here in just a couple of minutes. I have really appreciated the, appreciated the conversation with you, Nella. Um, do you have any other final thoughts you'd like to share before we uh, wrap up the hour? Uh, I guess what, I mean, I think those are fun. I think it's been very rewarding for me. But again, do your homework, talk to people. And when I say do your homework, be aware of some health issues. There are three illness, 
three diseases I can think of in goats where there's not a cure. Uh, it's contagious to other goats. If your goats have those diseases, it would if you have a, you wouldn't want to have other goats around them. There are tests to see if your goats do not have them. If you're buying goats, I would definitely. Um, I don't want to go tell, but one's called CAE, one's called CL, one's called Yoni's. Um, there, there's a blood test that you can do to see if they go, it's test positive. I would require that before I would buy any goat. Um, it, that's just something to be aware of. So again, it's, it's part of doing your homework, knowing the health and, you know, not getting that. There is one disease called scrapey. Scrapey is similar to mad cow. Um, if you move goats over state lines, you have to have some kind of IDs. My goats all have tags on their ears because they've been moved around. And so if, if a goat is tested somewhere that um, tests positive for scrapey and they can know that it had contact with your herd, your herd would basically be seized. And unfortunately, the animals have to be, the only way they can tell by scrapey, if they have scrapey, is to take brain tissue. So all the animals are destroyed. I've heard of, there's only been a few cases in the U.S., but um, I know a few years ago, several hundred goats were destroyed in Arizona and because one so goat had scrapey. Definitely important to um, do your homework and don't just... Um, buy a goat because you come across a goat there, there yeah there's a lot involved here and you've done a wonderful job giving us a, a summary and a, a, a glimpse into your goat keeping life thank you for sharing that it it sounds very rewarding and they sound like it they're is. affectionate and loving i mean even in, i didn't do for vogue i think i I would probably still have a couple just for pets because I love their personalities. Yeah, and there's a lot you can do with goats. Um, here we, we have the rent-a-goat. We people go packing with goats. They um, there's goat yoga where people do yoga. Oh, with goats. I've read and about goats. I think that's yeah, a all kinds brief. of fun with them. Yeah, I so I really appreciate to pull carts too. <laughs> Well, thank you for thank you. joining us today. And um, next month, it looks like we will be talking about raising bedding plants, getting ready for thinking about spring, believe it or not. Yay. And um, we are working on getting a list serve put together. You can contact me at ACB home. Well, it's acb.home.garden dot agriculture at gmail.com acd i can't talk acb dot home dot garden dot agriculture dot com if you have questions comments or especially if you're interested in hosting a future um or being a guest on a future call we have some really cool topics coming up in the next few months. So please join us again. Halil, thank you very much for helping us today. And Darrow, thank you for streaming. And thank you. I think we are, I think we're up, we're, we will call it a close for today.